The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of any of the program's producers or partners. The only reason the internet even exists is for music and porn, right? And then a little bit WebMD, maybe. To live for yourself is to live selfishly, but to live for others is to live in eternity. Welcome to Tagline. Pour a cocktail and join us for inspired conversations with the best storytellers, culture makers, and creators from our friends at Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Given the world we live in right now, people do want to have a little bit of joy in their life again. Tagline is produced by iHeartRadio in partnership with Advertising Age. Welcome to Tagline. I'm Adam Schlachter, president of global innovation at Publicis Media. I'm also on day five in Austin at South by Southwest. And at this point, I'm officially 50% taco and 50% bourbon. Wow. Yeah. Great combination. I've had a lot of practice. How about sleep? Sleep is uh, at a premium, mm-hmm. but I would say it's also overrated. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't really experience this city for all that it is. Nice. So with us today, rapper, singer, musician, producer, and composer, Wyclef Jean. Founding yeah. member Taco of the legendary Fuji's Bourbon. Huh. <laughs> That's Solo. his new single. You just heard it first time. Taco, Taco, Taco Bourbon. bourbon. Called, Taco yeah. bourbon. You guys are hearing yeah. it live and direct. A big hit in Austin, man. Number one. Wyclef has sold over 100 million albums, 20 million singles, and won three Grammy Awards. And Clef, we're really happy to have you with us. Uh, I'm ecstatic, man. I'm glad I made it. I was coming from Milwaukee, actually. You know, I'm a PK. Preacher Kid, there's a movement going on in Milwaukee right now, Hmm. musically, with a lot of these kids from the church. And they rent these clubs out, and they just bang the hell out of these instruments. Artist shows up. You know, it's sort of like reminding me of like when New York used to be hungry, like we had nails and different things like that. So there's that whole energy. Wow. So going from there and then got caught in that small (laughs) snowstorm. And then we made it. I'm just glad to be here. So we're going to have a couple of days here. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. And we got Craig Bromers, Chief Marketing Officer at The Gap. And Craig, I understand that you're going to be stuck here for a little bit longer because of that snowstorm. I think all of us have gotten stuck in Austin for a few more days, right? But hey, it's nice here. So not a bad place to get stuck. Not a bad place. We'll keep it weird in Austin, as we do. Speaking of weird, rounding (laughs) us out, (laughs) Jason Flum. CEO of Lava Records and the man behind everyone from Tori Amos and Kid Rock to Lord. He's also the host of his own podcast, Wrongful Conviction, which features interviews with men and women who spent decades in prison for crimes they did not commit. Some even sentenced to death. That's right. And I can't think of a better place and a better set of people dig into all these heady topics of music and marketing and collaboration and social good and what works and doesn't and where it all fits together, where it's all going. So I figured... Let's spend some time together talking about that. Well, you can't think of a better group, but then again, we know you're 50% bourbon and 0% sleep, so yeah. probably somebody else might be able to I think mean, of I'm, a better I'm group. I'm over-indexing But you can't, side, right? But... So let's just be honest with the audience right up front, right? Okay. I just wanna, Listen, you know, if you need some inspiration. Nobody wants to be disappointed, all right? Let's just get it straight. Okay, then. All right, let's get right into it. Why is it suddenly cool for artists to work with brands? For me, as someone who started off like as a jazz major like in high school, with a hardcore street background. It's sort of like the whole idea of hip-hop culture. There's the word fresh. And the idea of 
fresh place part of your whole existence. You know, it's like swag constantly the same way um, that you would sit and you would be like, okay, I'm going to study all these different cars coming out as a young age is the same way where brands are just naturally part of what you do to the point where you can be rapping and you singing. And usually the way that our audience actually picks up on the different brands is through, I call it a coded message. So it's basically like you could hear Jay say a word for the first time or the Fuji say a word or somebody and you go, well, what is this? And then you actually look into it. So for me, it's always been a natural thing and an unforced thing like brands and music. It's like music and sports. You know what I'm saying to you? Right. But the brand's got to be cool, though, you feel me? Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Clef is exactly right. You know, it's all about the right marriage. Otherwise, it looks cheesy and people Mm -hmm. see through that and then everybody loses. But when it's right, I've always said that when a brand can endorse a band, and Apple has done this to perfection, right? When they can take a band and expose their audience to it for the first time, and then that band becomes, or that artist becomes successful, then you're making your customers cool because we know what's cool when you were a kid and you got the record first and you played it for your friends and they didn't know about it and then that became an important artist, then you were cool because music is everything, right? right? And and Craig, the gap has been somewhat inextricably linked with music as part of culture, as part of the retail environment. You featured artists in your ads. How are you guys continuing to embrace that and take it to a different level? I've joined Gap and I'm there only about 100 days so far. But when you think about when Gap was at its best, Gap was about entertainment. And so it wasn't advertising, it was actually entertainment. Think Mm. Khaki Swing, think the Madonna Miss Yellick collaboration. As we look to 2017 and beyond, we want to be back in the entertainment game. And clearly music is very linked to what we'll do in the future. How do you determine a wish list? Like you talk about some of those collaborations, they're phenomenal, but how do you spot what's next? to Jason's point, finding those rising stars to feature. Do you guys have a program dedicated to it? Are you down here in Austin looking for it? It happens pretty organically. I mean, Gap is probably the most democratic retailer on the planet. So our big tent, it's from birth to death, people from all sorts of diverse backgrounds. One of the guardrails we use is it can't be the obvious. Mm. So it may be someone that has been out of the spotlight for a while. It may be that rising star. It may be someone that would be really surprising to be connected with the brand. But I think Wyclef said it very well earlier. If it's authentic Mm. and fits the brand values, that's when the magic happens. Jason, on your side, like, how do you find artists from the other end to fit with brands? Well, you don't find artists to fit with brands. You know, you just find artists. You just find right? artists, right. And then at the end of the day, you know, music is power, right? And it's interesting because years ago, I remember meeting with the president of Coca-Cola, and he told me that in every perceptual study they've ever done, there's only two things that people really, truly care about, which is music and sex. And when you think about it, <laughs> the only reason the internet even exists is for music and porn, right? And then a little bit WebMD, maybe, but whatever. I mean, other than that, are directions. But you don't need it for anything else. And so it's interesting because... Music, when you do go back to like Napster days and stuff, like that was what drove right. everything, right? And so, and by the way, I've always wondered why there isn't better music in porn, although I don't watch porn, but I'm just saying, I've heard, I've heard that yeah. it's really bad and maybe there might be a new opportunity there. But anyway, <laughs> so you never like try to sign an artist for a brand. That would be ridiculous. A brand might try to sign an artist sometime in the future. But, you know, when you find a great artist and you find some music that's magical, then if you can connect with somebody like Craig and a great brand, the, the Gap, and you know you can come up with a great sync, a great usage of the song, you can actually 
break an artist. And what an incredible thing that is. Breaking an artist is like doing brain surgery with spoons, yeah. right? I mean, it's really, you know, in a world where people see thousands of messages every day to get a new artist over, it's harder than ever. And so, but it still happens. And brands are a part of it now. And that's exciting. And I think they want the same thing we want. They want something that works organically and that it, that's good for everybody. Clef, do you feel technology has helped with that process? Um, yeah, 100%. I would say when we first started, like in 1996, 97, to get to the actual um, consumer itself, you needed what was called a, a middle agent. So what technology has done is it has eliminated that and it has educated the new generation to be a little more savvier, right? So, for example, like I remember the Fujis being at McDonald's, like on a promo. Right. This was the grind, you know what I mean? This was the chitlin circuit. Like it's like, yo, what you know, you know, let's do our new single here. You know, like sing with a brick on your mouth on the spot. So we're doing it, but the bigger picture of it is we're being leveraged to McDonald's, right? At the time where you don't really have access directly to the CEO of McDonald's, for example. All that has changed now. So we're basically in a generation where kids are wittier and they're much more smarter. So technology has basically eliminated the middleman, per se. Got no chance to rapper like different kids. Yeah. And now I would say strategic brands are more important now than ever. Just say like I started an indie, a female-owned indie that we started together, and it's called Heads Music, for example. So you start with a small fund, right? And so how are you going to be competitive, right? So the way that you get competitive is, you know, brands are now more important because they actually part of helping fund an entire project more now than ever. So what's going on right now is you will see a lot of these independent labels, like all these kids with young little indies, that they're actually partnering up with more brands, but understanding that the brand can actually push their product forward. Mm. So I think like the trade for trade now mm. is a little more fairer than it was like back in the right. days. And I think technology has a lot to do with that. It's a partnership you have to have, right? Like you can't yeah. collaborate if it's just forced. Yeah. Now it's a partnership. Say like I have a deal right now with Guinness, for example. And Guinness is clear. They're like, Clef, this ain't no endorsement. Like, let's be clear, dog. Like, because I ain't looking for an endorsement. Right. I'm like, yeah, Clef, it's a partnership. The word partnership now with a capital P is a very strong word because now you're moving to a world where things have to be more fair for the artists, for the people of the world. Kids are more thinking social entrepreneurship. Mm. Corporate companies now have more of social responsibilities than it was before. Now you're obligated within your contract. Like, you know, you have to do something, you know what I mean? So, By the way, you know what I learned yesterday, speaking of Guinness? I learned that the Guinness Book of World Records actually started in bars in, I think, Ireland or Scotland because people would make these crazy claims they were drunk. They'd be like, <laughs> the tallest guy ever was this guy, right? And they'd be like, no, it was this guy. Uh -huh. And they'd write it down to keep uh -huh. track for the bets. Yeah. They were betting pints. Right, and that's actually how Guinness started. And then they were like, "Hey, let's turn this let's into turn a marketing thing." Marketing. Right, and then they created Guinness Book of World it's Records. Brilliant. I never even knew it was Guinness was the same Guinness, but it is. I had no idea. Right, I learned Dude, something. I didn't know that was the same Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's See? nuts. I learned that yesterday. <laughs> Seth Godin told me that. I learned every time I hang out with Seth Godin, I learn a lot. You learned something like, new. Too funny. Yeah. And you're building on what Wyclef said. I think coming up with something unique is also interesting for the brand and the artist now. At Gap, 
our vision statement is we are creators. In the coming months, we're going to be premiering stuff that we've gone to artists from all sorts of different backgrounds and allowed them to create a special piece of content. It could be a singer directing something. Mm. It could be someone from TV doing art, but just trying to let that artist explore a little bit out of their comfort zone. So it's not just inserting a track into a TV commercial, you know, like it was maybe 15, 20 years ago. It has to be special, unique and authentic. Right. It's not the starting point. You don't come with a track in mind. Like this is going to be the shot we're going to use. This is going to be the soundtrack. You let it happen. Greg, do you come with a demo demographic in mind? Like what's your bullseye in terms of You know, again, because at Gap, we're so broad, Usually not. And so usually it's more around a specific idea. So, for example, we just did a 90s archive reissue. We went back and reissued some of the best-selling styles from the 90s. We brought Naomi Campbell back as kind of the true icon. But then we cast the kids of 90s Gap celebrities. So think Mick Jagger's daughter. Think Bruce and Demi's daughter. Think Diana Ross's son. And the list goes on and on. Mm. And we could have went for a really obvious track for this particular piece of content, but we actually did something that hopefully would put a smile on people and kind of again go back to entertainment. And we picked some ridiculous Color Me Bad song. It, it just totally popped. And I think given the world we live in right now, people do want to have a little bit of joy in their life again. A brand like Gap, and there are others that can do that as well, can explore that through music. Yeah, that nostalgic twist as well. It's like anyone at different points in the 90s could identify with that. I mean, whether it was kids coming up or you remember that song because it triggers something. Just out of curiosity, are there any Color Me Bad songs that aren't ridiculous? Because <laughs> you qualified it. I was just wondering if you had... This This one was pretty ridiculous. Oh, I, I think, ridiculous. I think, I think you're right. Ridiculous. I think okay. you're right. We'll figure it out by the end of the yeah. podcast for sure. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Jason, for your mind, like, what are some of the great tie-ups you guys have experienced in your career, like merging either artists with artists on collaborations, whether it's in the writing process or the the actual music itself or, or working with brands or just thinking differently, working differently, producing things differently? So that's a great question. You're going to make me go back. Like, I feel like in the movies when it gets all hazy and you go back in time, right? <laughs> uh, so it's hard. Well, we are but, in Austin. Yeah, we're in Austin. Yeah, exactly. And I just got off a plane. But no, I mean, the collaborations are really interesting, you know, because collaborations take more forms than just artists and brands, right? Collaborations right. could take any form. It could be a, an artist and an incredible director, right? I'm so old. I go all the way back to Twisted sister right i remember when you know my boss at the time doug morris he had this idea to take twisted sister and put them with this director marty Colner, right mm. and then they made those iconic videos that even people as young as you guys remember right with niedermeyer and that whole thing there's that kind of collaboration then there's great collaborations like there was a great stroke of luck when i first signed katie perry right i happened to have just made a deal with her and i invited her to our grammy party i mean the ink was just dry on the contract at the time i was running virgin and she walked in with dr luke who i knew because i had actually given him his first record deal when he was a guitar player at Saturday Night Live. I was like, you guys know each other? And they were like, yeah, we're friends. I was like, then you're working together. This is incredible. It hadn't even occurred to me until I saw them together. I was like, that makes sense. I basically personally negotiated the deal because it wasn't an easy deal to make. Luke was a hot, hot guy. Mm. Katie was an unknown artist at the time. And of course, they wrote I Kissed a Girl in Hot and Cold in those first sessions. And it was like, uh, here we go. You know, And they ended up writing so many 
amazing hits. Look, I've always said it, in my line of work and in life, luck's a big part of everything. Sure. You know, serendipity, synchronicity. There are some geniuses, but, you know, they're in a different generation. When you get an opportunity like that and you're able to take advantage of it, and then when you see the, the magic that can happen. I mean, look, when you look at the Fuji's, like, how the hell did you guys ever come together? I always look at, like, how the hell did Elton John and Bernie Taupin ever meet? <laughs> how did the universe organize itself so that those two guys could connect? Because every Elton John song starts as a Bernie Taupin poem. Yeah. How is that possible? It's unbelievable, right? Because if they never right. met each other, we never know who Elton John is. And That's, life ain't good, you know? No. <laughs> life would definitely not be good without Elton John. But you're right. There's that magic that happens. And is it serendipity? Clef, was it serendipitous for you guys with the Fugees back in the day? You know, my grandfather was a voodoo priest. Then my father was a minister. He denounced what my grandfather was. <laughs> then... My uncle was a mason, you know, so I was raised in a families where cosmos and the astros and the idea of, like, things landing, I got to see firsthand. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, right, because I'm a living testimony of it, because if I told you I really took a donkey to school, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to you, like, when I got to America, I was like, man, you rappers is, y'all got it made. Like, y'all in a project, <laughs> y'all complaining. I'm like, yo... I said, do y'all ever heard of a hut? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, yo, y'all got electricity here? I said, y'all ever heard of oil with a lamp on it? They say they got Disneyland here? I said, yo, our Disneyland, we used to play in the back of a cemetery. This was like, hey, which ghost is coming out today? I'm like, yo, dude. So I got to America. I was 10 years old. By the time I was 17, I was traveling. And I was um, part of a jazz ensemble. I learned how to play 10 different instruments at a very young age. So by the time the jazz teacher saw me doing all of this, she was like, where did you learn this? You know, one, five, seven, what is, I didn't know what the hell she was talking about. She was like, you ever heard of Thelonious Monk? I'm like, who's that? Is that a karate person? Does this person do karate? Is it like someone from Shaolin Monk? Like, um, So they get you into all of this. So I have to believe that there is an alternative energy so the score was done in my uncle's basement. Hmm. My father literally, because he was a minister, kicked me out the house. He was like, you know, you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve the devil. And you're going to serve the devil, you got to get the hell out of this house. So, you know, so he kicks me out and my uncle takes me in. He's like, yo, it ain't like he's selling drugs or nothing. The kid's just doing his music. Puts me in this basement and we get into this basement and you have to think of it. The score which y'all all have, was done inside of a basement with a 456 Ampex mm. rail machine. Wow. 24 track, right? Ampex rail. And I wanted it to be 64 tracks in my brain. So that means that the Simpty, which is the 24 track, all my nerves is listening right now. Then we got 23 tracks to work with. So I started bouncing. <laughs> you know, I was a big fan of Freddie Mercury. So that's how I was doing the Fuji's vocals. So I literally was recording like 20, 30 tracks, bouncing down to 23, wow. bouncing down to 22. Then this is the funniest thing with the score. We in the basement, we in the hood. Now I got a ground problem. Everything I'm recording, I can hear the ground. Goo, goo. Then I remember the old Frankenstein movie. And I said, okay, how do I get rid of this ground? So I said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So I got seven <laughs> hangers and I put them in seven pillars of the ceiling mm. so what happened is so the ground you could literally catch it on the hanger and you could move it like you could move wow. and you can move it once again 
I was on a donkey. So where the hell that all of this came from? So it actually just came from paying close attention, being intuitive, asking questions in science class. Like, Because in science, you're building this cell. You know, they're like, if you connect this to this, like years later, you don't know you're about to use seven hangers on the score. It's just like, oh, this, I remember what I did in science class. It's mystical. I have to believe in the astros, right? Because I'm still trying to figure how I got here. And how we still do um, what we do. And when I spent small time with Carlos Santana, you know, when he was like, yo, there's like really no more geniuses. I'm like, yo, Santana's the only person, um, Santana and Tom Jones. I even did a record called Tom Jones International. I wanted to spend time with these dudes because I want to understand what I have to do next. And I feel like what I have to do next, it's not based off of popularity, but mm. based off of legacy. So you get to spend time with these dudes. You know, and I'm asking Santana about, like, Hendrix. Like, Jimi Hendrix. Like, and this guy can actually give me information. Like, there's rarely people around. Then I'm with Tom Jones, and Tom Jones is like, yo, let me tell you how gully it was back when we was coming up. He was like, Clef, literally when we was in Vegas... We were sharing showers, like, so the next person would have to literally stand and wait for the next person in the shower. And he's like, yo, so I'm freaking standing, you know, and I'm waiting, and Elvis is in the goddamn shower. <laughs> love me tender, love me, you know? And, like, those kind of stories, when you see who those people become, I have to, at the end of the day, believe, like, certain people are just cosmetically, something going on with the Astros that connects us, you know? You know, and on that note, and by the way, that's one of the greatest diatribes I've ever heard. When you go from donkeys, <laughs> and riding donkeys to yeah. school to hangers, and the and the score in the basement. Of you. I mean, that was. Elvis I, and Tom Jones. I, I think you guys just edit that piece out and give it to me so I can listen to it like fifty times. <laughs> <and memorize> it. <laughs> but speaking of serendipity, Larry Mullen told me that the reason you two is you two is because he just put an ad in the newspaper, and they were the first three guys that showed up. Wow. You know, he wow. said if drummers would have showed up, they would have been four drummers. You know, he's like, I was going to get the first. Four Four guys, wow. and that was it. There's a little, there's a little <laughs> Twilight Zone yeah. happening there too, right? Yeah. I mean, and then here they are, still like all these years later. That's so, wild. Yeah, you can't force collaboration. You can't. It's got to be organic. Like you could inspire it. Maybe there's a catalyst for it. Maybe there's something that you know you heard, you saw that you you gravitate towards. But if you force it, you're not going to have these amazing stories. You're going to have this incredible result or product at the end of it. And I think sometimes brands have to take a little bit of risk. So before Gap, I led global marketing for Calvin Klein, which is also a brand that has a rich history of right. working with artists. And I think of two campaigns where there was a calculated risk that paid off in a very, very big way. First with Marky Mark. This was a guy who was not well known, was a little bit raw. He almost defined the Calvin Klein underwear business in the 90s. And then the Biebs, right? Wow. Calvin Klein cast Bieber at maybe one of his lowest points. That's right. And there was certainly some stuff in the press about you know where Bieber was going, but they took a risk and it popped in a very, very big way to a, a young generation. So again, a little bit of risk, I think, is a good thing for brand as well. You have to be willing to take that risk. You have to be willing to roll the dice and see what happens. Speaking, speaking of, yeah, speaking <laughs> of rolling the dice right now, our friend Floyd just brought us in some cocktails so we could keep collaborating on this podcast. Time to take a break with our friends from Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. That's a good name, too. It's a great Pink name. Floyd, Pink Floyd. There's lots of good uh, Floyds Floyd, out I'll there. Tell you. Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> so you're drinking a drink I call the All Nighter. It is an old-fashioned variation with Bullet. 
I use a little bit of a local Austin coffee liqueur. We roast it here. He makes it here. It's a little bit of caffeine. It's fantastic. And a little bit of uh, creme de cacao is a little bit of chocolate you taste. And Guinness, the Guinness really plays well with the bourbon. When I walked in, Wyclef said, oh, marshmallows. And the theme we're talking about is marketing. And the simplest little thing, a marshmallow comes on your drink. A toasted marshmallow is the garnish. And I bring that to you at a bar. Everybody at the bar is going to say, why isn't there a marshmallow on my drink? What is that? Why did he get a marshmallow? Damn straight. You walk that through a bar on a tray and everybody turns and looks like, what is that? Right. I want to know about that. It's a two-cent marshmallow. The next thing I want to drink with a s'mores in it, like a full stick of s'mores in there. I can, I, mean? I can make that happen for you. <laughs> We're going to have post What's post the cocktails. name of this drink? We call it the all-nighter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what I used to do in the hood, just make songs up on the spot. <laughs> Freestyle, baby. You know, there are brands that can't be mad at that. There are brands that'll pay good money for that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think Craig, Craig just found his new inspiration for, for the Great latest drink, spring though. campaign. Well, when I got up Great this morning, drink. I did not know I was gonna get that in my life, so it was good. I didn't know I even know I needed it until I got it. Right. <laughs> we absolutely need it. Floyd, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. This has been fantastic. Making friends on the new frontier. Grab some bullet, the spirits here. Write the story, have no fear. All the borders disappear. There we go. Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Talk to us a little bit about this podcast that you have, and what was the inspiration for that? I'm the founding board member of the Innocence Project, actually. So I've been working on what I call getting people out of prison who don't belong there for uh, almost 25 years. You know, the Innocence Project is an organization that uses DNA to exonerate people who are serving time for crimes they didn't commit. We've uh, been able to free hundreds of people and change laws and change the protocols to prevent future wrongful convictions as well. There's even been 20 people on death row who've been exonerated now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I call it selfish altruism, you know, because it makes me feel good, but um, I get so much out of it. Just being around the exonerees has always been an amazing experience for me. They're so courageous, they're so strong, they're so graceful, and they have this almost bizarre sense of optimism and hope and of gratitude. Course, right. I had a guy on my podcast a few weeks ago who served 34 years in prison for something he didn't do. Wow. And it's incredible, too, because there's a guy named Keith Allen Harward. And I said to him, Keith, I go, how the hell did you keep your sanity? He's from Virginia, you know, so he's got the <laughs> accent and everything. I can do his accent pretty well. If you don't mind, I Let's will. Let's hear it. So anyway, I said to Keith, like, how the hell did you survive? And this is a guy who had no record before he went in. You know, he was in the Navy, convicted of a brutal crime framed <laughs> and he says yeah man he says jason listen man he says you know i was in, stuck in there in a six by nine foot cell with another guy for a long time you know i'm like well damn keith i mean like I, how, how do you do it and he says well jason he says listen man he goes i was innocent so that helped and i was like well it wouldn't have helped me it would have made me crazier you know knowing i was innocent in there and he says well man listen he says you know when i went to prison i just i just said to myself you know what uh, uh keith you know i said to myself they, they took my freedom and they took my body, but I'm not going to let them take my mind. Because if I do that, I'm letting them win. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, I, I felt like I was in the presence of, like, a deity. So the podcast, Wrongful Conviction, you know, I interview a different exoneree each week and walk them through their insane stories of having been 
you know, arrested and wrongfully convicted and serving decades in prison for crimes they didn't commit, and along the way try to educate the public on how common this is and what the causes are and how to prevent it from happening in the future. And, you know, music is my job, and I love it, but this is like my calling. It's such a noble cause to be able to do that and help so many people and maybe inspire others to take action, especially in the climate that we're in today. And that's a whole other podcast, right? But what role or obligation do you think artists have or brands have to actually take action? And maybe not just organically or because it's a passion of theirs or something they're connected to, but to make some demonstrable change in this world, especially with everything that's been going on. Well, I mean, you know, I think that everybody, it's not just brands or artists, like everybody has a, a responsibility to try to right wrongs and try to help their fellow man and to help the earth and, you know, all living things. I'm starting a movement, and my philosophy is be kind to yourself, to other people, to animals mm. on the earth. Try to help people as much as you can, and personal freedom is an important thing to me, you know. But, but yeah, everybody has a responsibility. It's very strange because the people in Washington right now feel the opposite way, right? I mean, it's all about narcissism and greed mm. and, let's face it, evil. What they're doing is evil. Now more than ever, we all have a responsibility to stand up, to resist, to do everything in our power to, you know, try to counterbalance that insanity. Well, to, and to unify people, not divide people. It's united we stand, divided we fall. Like, we hear that. But yet then we see what's going on in the world. It's not unity other than the people who are just so appalled by it. No, and Gap has been actually together, in the yeah. forefront of that too, right? Gap has always been that sort of colorblind, we're all that's you know, right. one kind of a... There's no doubt. And I mean, that's, I think, part of the reason why I'm so excited to join this brand at this time, right? So we were the first Fortune 500 company to establish equal pay for women. Obviously, we've had a long history with Red and the great work they do to fight AIDS in Africa and around the world. Certainly, we have an amazing track record in trying to do a better job with environmental impact. I mean, those are the values that get everyone excited to go to work. Again, I think given the time that we live in, we have an opportunity to engage in some of those issues even more than we have in the last couple of years. Does an artist's pro-social activity come into play when you're thinking about that? Or cleft for well, you? I mean, like- for me, it's, it's crazy because... One of my models is Fela Kuti, mm-hmm. and I actually ran to become president of Haiti. That's right. I got tried to get assassinated. My name was wrongfully used. I mean, and, and I commend you, my brother. Like, you're the real deal, man, on what you're doing. Like, I commend you because I understand, you know? There's a movie. I send a text. They're going to send it to me. It won the Sundance Festival. It's about a... Caribbean brother that was locked up for 20 years mm. and eventually they ended up getting him out. I'm going to get you the name of the movie before yeah, I left. So for me it's a tricky thing, you know and Bono, who's one of my mentors mm. like, Bono is like one of my heroes. So at times, you know you feel confused so you got to talk to somebody like, yo, are you doing the right thing? Because it's not popular. Now it's sort of like a little more popular because Socially, people want to get more engaged. Like Mm. now, you know, artists want to get more engaged now. But when I was doing it, it's not a popular thing to say, okay, you write like hips don't lie, you know? And after you write this song, you say, okay, this one, this like perhaps the biggest airplay song of all times. Then you go, well, this is how I want to lead the earth. Like I come from this place, I used to ride a donkey. And so this is what I want the world to understand about me. So now you're fighting because 
your agents and everyone's like, yo, dude, don't go there. You're basically going to lose it all. Stay away from politics. Don't go, you know, my foundation. Yale Haiti. I mean, the scandals around it and saying I stole money from my charity, which I denounced everything. When you was watching the elections, I think you got a grasp on how politics work and how, you know, when it's time for them to come for you, they're going to come a certain way. So I'm happy, though, now because I see artists are a little more like engaged, like in the sense of, you. OK, in the award shows, they're using their platforms a little more. I commend them on that. This is very important. And it's bravery, right? So for me, Gap was always like, you know what? It's like a rebel brand. That's why I like Gap. Because it's not easy to make a lot of money (laughs) to be a billion-dollar company and be like, oh, at the same time, I'm going to talk about all of this that's going on. So it's not an easy thing. You know, Bono, which is a mentor, Mm. you know, learning from him, watching him, having a chance to talk to him multiple times, it makes me even want to engage more. You know what I mean? I don't say it because artists would be, I don't talk it. So when I tell you, like, if I was president, i get elected on Friday. It ain't no song, bro. Like, you could look online. I got my boots on. You know, I'm heavy on the ground because I believe at the end of the day, all we do have is us. And what that means is, like, the earth was so created already. Like with the animals to get along with the humans and the flowers to provide oxygen. It's so perfect at times. And the only thing that divides us is like when men come around and decide, you know what? Forget all of this. The world has to worship me. So whenever Mm. this happens, we as a people have to make sure that we get together. You know what I mean? Definitely. That is absolutely 110% the world that we're in today. Yeah, man. And it's got to change, right? Facts. It's crazy, and and it's driven by a number of things, right? And greed is probably the most corrosive element of it, right? Because when you look at these guys who are denying climate science and all this other stuff or trying to cancel everybody's health care, it's all just because they want more money. Like, what are you going to do with it? It's a selfishness, not a selflessness. How many yachts can you water ski behind? It doesn't make any (laughs) sense. Like, only one at a time, dude. It doesn't make any practical sense. Right. He who dies with the most toys still dies. You know, I, I become involved recently with trying to save the rhinos, right? Because it's so odd when you look at nature the way you were just talking about it. And to me, I don't know why, but rhinos to me are the most beautiful, iconic species. They haven't evolved in tens of millions of years because they haven't needed to. Nobody flips off the rhino, right? (laughs) They're perfect. perfect. And so now they're going to be extinct in five to seven years if we don't stop this poaching business that's going on and it's all driven by money. And I was in Africa a couple months ago and when you get around a rhino I haven't experienced anything better than Mm. that they are the most benign incredible gentle giant powerful creatures they don't want to hurt anything like hippos are dangerous like hippos will cuff you up (laughs) right you get anywhere near a hippo they'll chomp you in half and and that's fine and they have a right to be on the planet too but it's just ironic that rhinos who are so powerful you can just go up and pet them I don't recommend it, but I did it. They're like giant dogs. It makes me crazy. But I'm working with this organization called Vet Paw now, which is U.S. military veterans who go over there and work for next to nothing on the ground, like training African rangers to be able to defend themselves and take care of the wow. rhinos and arresting and trying to break up these rhino poaching rings and stuff, you know, before it's too late. That's phenomenal. 
Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. I'm not jealous of many people, but if you haven't been to Africa yet, I'm jealous because you get to go there for the first time. It's yeah. like the first time you watch Breaking Bad. That shit is incredible. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I kissed a rhino and I liked it. Let me tell you. It was, <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. There we go. It's well, major. That's going to be your tagline later. That's your tagline later. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. I did it. I did it. So on a slight twist on that, what are the cautionary tales when trying to collaborate with brands and artists or causes like what are some of your stories about like when it hasn't worked and that you've recognized mm, maybe this was the wrong decision or I should have thought about it differently or we got to cut bait and run I don't know if we should name names but I think the things that don't work is it just forced both sides see dollar signs in their eyes and it just comes across as very very right. inauthentic right when you're able to sit down with an artist ask him or her kind of what they're trying to do and then the brand has that interaction with the artist on that level that's where the good stuff happens not just this smash up of unnatural a shared like a shared belief not clouded by the dollar signs yeah yeah. That's critical. But, you know, having said that, I've always been marketing for Calvin, for Abercrombie, for Gap. I mean, when you engage with anyone from the outside, you are taking a bit of a risk, right? Mm. Exposing yourself to something that could happen, especially in this crazy social media age where everything is hyper-criticized. So right. we do have to think through what way could this go in order to protect the brand to some extent as well. No, I think you're right. That authenticity, you can't fake it. No. People see right through it, especially in this day and age with social media and technology. It's just, there's too much at risk for that sort of misstep. You don't want to be known for that, right? It's been a lot of fun, but we're coming up to our end of our show. And I got one question for each of you, because you've told some phenomenal stories. And I just want to keep doing this, but maybe we'll do it after. What's your tagline? I guess you're looking at me, so I'll start here. So again, new gig, four months in, it's Mind the Gap. <laughs> man, I have a simple one, man. To live for yourself is to live selfishly, but to live for others is to live in eternity. Amen. Yeah, man. Jason. You know, do the right thing even when nobody's watching, you know. Maybe especially when nobody's watching. My dad gave me and my brother the best advice when we were kids. And I gave my kids the same advice. Which is he said do whatever you want to do. Try to be the best at it, but just make the world a better place. He said, if you do that, you'll be a success in my eyes. And I revered and, and looked up to my dad and, and getting him to put the right words for everything that he was. And so I wanted to be a success in his eyes. And obviously that stuck with me because he told me that when I was a child. You know, try to follow that. And I think if you can follow that and pass that on, then, you know, we can hopefully build a collective consciousness that will bring us to a better place because where we're at now ain't so good i think for all you guys have each done on your own and maybe collectively coming out of this there's going to be a lot of good done in the world and a lot more to come and uh i think that adds up to success so by the way i just want to say I've been around and seen some things when I was sitting here, like just landing in Austin and sitting next to this guy playing guitar. He's <laughs> talking right? about the Fuji's record. Right. It's like, um, what did I like, do? Win the Nick yeah. Lotto? No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that word you talked about. Like that whole thing when you was talking about that whole synergy thing. Mm-hmm. Like certain things, like how did this happen? How did this happen? Like how? Like we we could have tried to plan this. Like for years, it would have never happened. Right? <laughs> it just that's right. snow had to happen. That's I right. Had to land late. It's just. Universe. Man. Take us out. Your man Wyclef about to take y'all out without no doubt. 
Now pay attention, Austin. I used to dis freestyle often. Excuse me if I stuttered a little. It's the that's tricking me. Now listen, yeah, I came to Austin. I be the pro. I got here a little late. I had the problem with the snow, but it's cool, man. I got the reason Man, I respect my man for taking people out of prison That ain't guilty, man Yo, I'm that MC, man Some heard Fuji's Thought I was Japanese Ichi ni sang chi Go no ko shi chi ha chi She looked at me, I said I'm not Japanese I'm Wyclef Jean I flipped the language I could call Donald Trump and flip it in Spanish Like, mira amiga, buenos dias, señorita Como esta usted y su familia Estoy en doy bien en el micrófono. Espero que todos están bien como yo. Y'all listening. Y'all still ain't convinced. Y'all might get convinced when I flip it in French. Quand je marche dans la vallée de la mort, je ne crains aucun mal car tu es avec moi. Quand je fais l'amour, on m'appelle Romeo. C'est l'histoire de ma vie. Toujours à le plus haut. Yup. Why Clef stay in that Brooklyn zone, my people? And Flatbush told me to tell you shalom. We want peace in the world. This is how we do. My name is Why Clef. I rep that Fuji crew. They say I'm all about peace. Why I carry a peace? Because I'd be damned if y'all shoot me with the same bullet. Y'all shot Kennedy. Same bullet. Shot Martin in the balcony. Same bullet. Traveled to India and shot Gandhi. Same bullet. Shot John Lennon in New York City. Tupac out in Vegas. Biggie out in Cali. Same bullet traveled to the mountain of Bolivia. Yeah. And then it popped Che Guevara. Good night, y'all. Austin, it's been real. We're out. Oh, yeah. Peace. You've been listening to Tagline. Presented by our friends at Bullet Frontier Whiskey at the Bullet Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Please drink responsibly. We want to hear what you thought. Join the discussion on Twitter now by using the hashtag tagline. Check out our next episode as Adam Schlachter of Publicist Media invites superstar artist Melissa Etheridge, Visa's innovation lead Chris Curtin, and jingle punk Jared Gustad to discuss creativity and collaboration. Catch all of our episodes at iHeartRadio.com slash tagline in the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Audiation.